Will you turn in the Word of God tonight to that portion of Scripture that we read together on page 891, Mark's Gospel, chapter 8 and verse 22, where we read about the dear Lord Jesus Christ. (coughs) Then he came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. And he sent him away to his house, saying, Neither go into the town, nor tell anyone in the town. I want you to imagine tonight that you are this man. You live in Bethsaida, the home of Andrew and Peter and Philip. And we know that from John 1 and verse 44. It is a glorious fishing town by the Sea of Galilee. It is a beautiful place. There is magnificent scenery around Galilee. And if you've ever been there, you will know how beautiful the place is. But you can't see the beauty because you are now blind. You haven't been all your life. Otherwise you wouldn't know what trees look like. You're not like another blind man who had been blind from his birth whom the Lord Jesus remarkably and wonderfully dealt with. And you have in your mind's eye something of the magnificent beauty of Galilee. There are times when you can remember it and there are times when you can remember the wonderful surroundings around that lovely place. You're not without friends. You have very dear and kind friends. And one day they know that the Lord Jesus is around. And they know something of your real need. And they know that only the Lord Jesus can do something for your sad condition. These friends know something of the miracles that have been done by him. And they come with a great deal of urgency and you hear them begging the Lord Jesus and you realise how much they really love you and they are prepared to lay hold upon the Lord Jesus that he would restore your sight there was an urgency in their plea there was a love in their plea and if you could see them they would have tears in their eyes because they have a great love for you and a great desire to have the Lord Jesus open your eyes. You hear them. Your hearing is good, as it often is with blind people. And you are touched by what they are saying to the glorious person of the Lord Jesus. And you think to yourself, you know who your friends are, when you're in need they really do love me 
and they have compassion for me. And having heard the pleading of these friends, you suddenly feel a remarkable touch. You suddenly feel the remarkable touch of the most gentle and the most gracious man the world has ever known. You suddenly feel your hand in hand with the Lord Jesus. And you feel that you are being led, and you don't know it, but you're being led out of the town. The Lord Jesus is about to do a remarkable work in opening your eyes. A wonderful thing to be hand in hand with a gentle person of the Lord Jesus. Now can I just have a lay-by here in our message tonight? You may be going through a very difficult time in your life. You may be perplexed. You may be in the middle of a very heart-rending situation. But let me tell you, the Lord Jesus' heart is filled with gentleness and ever yearns of love. And if he can take the hand of this blind man he is well able to take hold of your hand in the midst of your problems in the midst of your difficulties in the midst of your heartaches and that has been often the experience of many of the Lord's people and I pray that in a gracious and gentle way the dear Lord Jesus will touch you even in this place tonight. You may feel at the very end of yourself. You may be tempted to despair. You may be very perplexed. What is God doing in my life? You may see that life is a mystery for you. And yet let me tell you that there is one that sticks closer than a brother, even the glorious person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And here you are, and there is hope for your situation. And you're being led outside of the village. The Lord Jesus has this situation under control. And the reason why you're being led away, as we're going to see a little later on, that those who are there in Bethsaida are not worthy to witness this remarkable and amazing miracle and you're taken by the hand you're led out of the town and suddenly you feel the spit of the Lord Jesus upon your eyes perhaps your eyes were being held together by a secretion that had become hard it often was with people at that time in the Middle East with the heat of the sun and perhaps the Lord Jesus is spitting to help to remove the obstruction and to aid the opening of the eyes. Then you feel the hands of Jesus upon you. Those lovely, those wonderful hands. And you hear Jesus saying to you very lovingly 
and very gently, do you see anything? And you look up, and you're amazed, and you do see something. And you say to Jesus, I see men like trees walking. That's a great improvement, isn't it? Do you see anything? It's a blur. You see something, but it's not clear. But it's certainly better than it was. For here the Lord Jesus is seeking to strengthen your faith. And he puts his hands on your eyes again. Look up, he says. Look up. And it's amazing. You can see everything clearly. It's incredible. There was a blur. But now a second touch of the Lord Jesus. And you can see everything wonderfully. And the first person that you see is the Son of God himself. Nothing special in his beauty because he had no beauty that we should desire him. But everything is distinct and clear. And you're overwhelmed with joy. How can I thank my friends enough for bringing me to Jesus? But more than that, how can I ever thank the Lord Jesus enough? Because he opened my eyes. What an incredible day that was. To have that sight restored and see everything clearly. Now says Jesus, go away to where you live, to your house. But don't go into the town, nor tell anyone in the town. This is private and confidential between you, me, and your friends. The Lord Jesus would have this miracle concealed. The inhabitants, you see, of Bethsaida were impenitent, full of impenitence and unbelief. And Christ had done many wonderful miracles among them and they had not repented. They had rejected the Lord Jesus and therefore they had no right to see this miracle. And the application is very simple. We all have those that we would bring to Jesus, don't we? We all have those who are blind, that are known to us, that we would long that the Lord Jesus might open their eyes. And maybe over the years you have begged many times and you have shed many tears and you have known what it is to lay hold upon that throne of grace. Oh Lord, touch my loved one. Touch my husband. Touch my son. Touch my daughter. Touch my neighbour. Touch my relative. Touch my friend. If only they heard. 
what you were praying. But you continue and you persist and you plead. Our friend Carol Munson, whom I've mentioned before, whose husband was a harbour master at Newlyn in Cornwall, pleaded with the Lord for 40 years. She maintained a very faithful testimony to him over those 40 years. She always put the Lord first in her life. And she knew what it was to beg for him, as many knew what it was to beg for him. And then, knowing that he had an operable cancer, he was wonderfully saved at the beginning of last year. And if you know what it is to plead, let me encourage you to continue to plead. Be a persistent beggar at the throne of grace, my friends. Lay hold upon the living God. Lay hold upon the throne of grace. Never give up while there is breath in the body of anyone. And know what it is to lay hold upon the Lord Jesus. For we are dealing with eternal realities. And we long that people might know the amazing touch of Jesus Christ. That's why we should pray every Lord's Day for the preacher. That the Lord of glory may be pleased on that day to come and to save souls in our midst. Spurgeon was once asked, What is the great secret of your ministry? My people pray for me. And in his lectures to my students, he said to his students one day, if you feel particular liberty in the ministry of the word, don't put it down to you. Maybe it's some dear elderly saint that's praying for you. I had a phone call last week, last Thursday, a 92-year-old lady in a connected with our fellowship looking at the prayer diary assuring me of her prayers what an encouragement but I want to say a word too tonight to those who see people like trees walking there are young people here Boys and girls here tonight. And you hear the word of God in the home. You're instructed in the truth. And you come here and you hear the word of God here at Belvedere. And you love to hear it. And things are beginning to get clear, become clear in your mind. You're beginning to have an understanding of these amazing truths. You're not seeing all things clearly. There may be an older person here tonight, and you're aware it's not well with your soul. And you love coming to Belvedere because, let's face it, the people are good company. 
And you're beginning to vaguely see something of the reason for the death of the Lord Jesus. But you're not seeing it clearly. As the others seem to do. And you hear preaching and you don't reject it. But you're not wholly there. I pray that tonight, that the Lord of glory will open your eyes, that you may see all things clearly. There was a lady in our fellowship called Peggy Bird. Some of you remember her. She remarried and was called Peggy Cadge. And she was joyful in tribulation. She never drew attention to herself. And she suffered a great deal in the last few years of her life without complaint. And she told me that she became a Christian when she heard preaching on this text tonight. And I pray that tonight you will become a Christian too. That joy will join with Peggy as well. That what was true of dear Peggy many, many years ago will be true of you. You will see something of your sin. And it's awful, isn't it? It's like lifting up a manhole cover. But more than that, that you'll see the Saviour who took away the sin of the world and took away your sin if you will trust in him you have a great need boy, girl, brought up in a Christian home (coughs) older person perhaps having been connected with this fellowship for many years and yet deep in your heart although you see certain things you don't see all things clearly You don't look at the death of Christ and see him taking away the sin of the world and taking away your sin. And you've never known what it is to come and personally trust in the Lord Jesus and be able to say my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. You're nearly there. But you're not wholly there. And I believe that there are many people in our churches a little like that. And I pray that tonight you will know what it is personally and privately in your heart to trust in Christ. To be able to say, I am trusting thee, Lord Jesus, trusting only thee. The story is told of a little girl Little girls can be very honest and very open. One day this little girl went up to her mummy and said, Mummy, you're lovely. You're lovely. I love your face. I love your person. I love everything about you but one thing. Those scars on your arms are terrible. They are terrible scars. And this little girl's mummy turned round and said to her, 
When you were lo- when you were young, there was a fire in our house, and I plucked you from the flames. Mummy, she said, I love those scars as well. Have you looked at the Lord Jesus and seen him scarred for your sin? Have you looked at the Lord Jesus and seeing him made sin for you? That which is obnoxious to God, he became on Calvary. Have you seen him taking your punishment in his own body on the tree? Can you look at Christ and say with that little girl, I love your scars, because there is where I truly can and should be made whole. And I beg of you, I beg of the Lord Jesus to come and to touch you. You may be the most simple person in this congregation tonight, but I can tell you this, that Christ is available to you in this place at this moment, at this time, if you will come and trust in him. It is urgent for you to come. I long that you might come. I can imagine the angels in heaven waiting to rejoice over sinners repenting here tonight and knowing what it is to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now the RNLI, the National Lifeboat Institution, do a great work in our land. At the end of South Pier, there is a lifeboat station. My friend down in Newlyn had to make a decision when to send out the lifeboat. Some weeks ago on the television there was a 28-year-old young lady and she had been saved, her life had been saved by the RNLI. She had been rescued out of the sea and they interviewed her at the end of the programme and she said, I would do anything for the RNLI because they saved (coughs) my life. Oh dear friend, how much more so with the Lord Jesus who came and saved our lives, the lives of sinners for his own glory and because he loved sinners deeply. It really is a matter of life and death It really is a matter of heaven and hell. And I plead with you this night, in this place, sitting in in the chair, how is it with your soul? You may see things partially, but all that you would see tonight, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And he came into this world to save you. And he came to make you one of his children. My heart goes out to you. I know that many people in this fellowship, like these friends, have known what it is to plead for you. And I pray that the Lord Jesus will come and that you will come to him and that he may touch your eyes and that you might know what it is to simply trust 
in the glorious saving work of the Lord Jesus Christ. I cry to you tonight and plead with you that you will come. While there is breath in your body, that you will come. But I notice too in this passage the danger of rejecting Christ. Then he sent him away to his house saying, Neither go into the town, nor tell anyone in the town. You know, in Matthew chapter 11, there is some solemn words there. And verse 20 and 21 of Matthew chapter 11. They are most solemn words. Woe unto you, Corathin. Woe unto you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. The greater light, the greater the responsibility. Many years ago we had a neighbour. When I married Jean, I married Jean plus a cat called Jojo. That was part of the deal. And when we used to go away, the cat knew exactly where to go. Just two doors away, and he was spoilt with full board and lodging until we came back. And we love this elderly couple. We really did. <coughs> they were people of this world. They were quite heavy smokers, so I used to come back smelling of cigarette smoke. And there were times when we tried to bring the gospel to them. And now one of them was coming to the end of his life. And we took round some Christian literature. And it was promptly returned. We're not interested. Well, a while later, the husband went into the local hospice. And with God's help, I was determined to go. And for one last time, to tell him the gospel. And I walked into his bedroom. And I've never known anything like it. My lips were sealed. I could say nothing. It was a solemn thing. Next door to him there was an old lady called Maud Cockgrove, a very simple soul who in her eighties came to know the Lord Jesus and came to love his glorious truth and came to know what it was even in her old age to confess the Lord Jesus. Oh, the danger, oh, the terrible danger of rejecting Christ even in your heart, even in this place tonight, 
a terrible danger. And my prayer is that you might see all things clearly. These friends saw all things clearly. They wanted this man to see all things clearly, and he did. And I want you to see all things clearly. And others too in this place as well. To see that Christ died and paid the penalty for sin on Calvary. It was a priceless penalty. It was an incalculable penalty. There's an old chorus. All the way to Calvary he went for me. And now he sets me free. Can you really say that? That he went to Calvary for you. That he shed his precious blood for you. Miracles in the Bible, in the New Testament, in the Gospels are so different. They are so different. And everyone who becomes a Christian has a different story to tell. But this story, as all the other miracles, are about the Lord Jesus and his great love. Oh friends, do not become a Christ rejecter tonight. I plead with you that you will become one who knows what it is to be accepted by the Lord Jesus. Come as you are. Come in all your need. Come with a broken heart. Come and pray to the Lord Jesus in simplicity. Boy, girl, man, woman, come and pray. And say, Lord Jesus, I want you to be my saviour. And I want to recognise you as my Lord. And I want to live for you from now on (coughs) to the rest of my days. Oh, that there will be those here this night who will see all things clearly. I pray that you will be one of them. That there will truly be rejoicing in heaven over sinners repenting. Let us pray. Almighty and ever-blessed God, these are the greatest issues that anyone could ever be faced with. Life and death, heaven and hell, we do plead with you, O God, as these friends begged the Lord Jesus that you will open blind eyes tonight that they may see all things clearly. For those who see things partially, we pray that they may see them completely. That they might see that the Lord Jesus died for them personally on Calvary's tree. 